You want your five-star matches? You want your 30-minute classics? Not me. Big meaty man slapping me. Good, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Randall Beatley. Let's go ahead and dive into this. So this episode, nothing's really been planned. I just wanted to throw content out there to continue to, you know, discuss pro wrestling. And and this episode actually is basically going to be like the state of pro wrestling to me. So I'm going to talk about AEW. I'm going to talk about WWE. Um, and I'm going to give my opinions on both products and where I think they both are in terms of, you know, creativity and, and you know, my thoughts of, of the storylines and, and, and the companies themselves. Um, but before we get to that, I do want to do sort of a, um, uh, let's catch up with some wrestling news. I, I don't have a lot of times when I come in, I have like a story or two that I want to talk about, um, but I... Or I discuss like the shows or something like that. This episode, I want to specifically just dig in. I have pulled up on my web browser, you know, pro wrestling stories, um, pro wrestling news, and just different things going out in the world of pro wrestling. Um, so this one was posted about eight hours ago. Sasha Banks reveals she just wrapped up filming her first movie. Um,. She posted December 4th, which was this morning at 2.06 a.m. Just wrapped up my first movie in Boston, uh, B-O-S-S-T-O-N. I'm going to assume this was, you know, she posted back a few weeks ago that um, there's something that she can't wait to tell us, and she's, you know, super... um, Excited! There's something crazy that we should be expecting. I'm assuming that's what this what that this is what that was, um, as well as um, I'm pretty certain she was on the set of The Mandalorian, and that's why she left. Um, now that I'm now that I'm sort of like connecting it, that it makes a lot of sense for why she, why she's been gone so long is you know being on the set of The Mandalorian, and so I'll say this. WWE is the biggest company in the entertainment pro wrestling world. And the crossover is, it's almost sort of like if you want to get into Hollywood and you're a professional wrestler, right? And you want to get into Hollywood. It's almost as if you have a better chance to do that if you go through WWE. Um, this, this, the connections... Um, that especially someone like Nick Khan had, which because his previous career he was a talent agent, right? So he, ha- I'm sure he has connections, right? So 
and like Becky Lynch was just in Young Rock. Um, of course, we know Rock, Cena, and Batista all transitioned to Hollywood and had decent um, success. Probably, you know, The Rock's probably the most famous actor current right now. Like he's in everything. Cena's getting roles left and right. Um, so, I mean, this has got me thinking now. Like, are there other superstars on the roster? who maybe could be crossover actors. Um, we know Liv Morgan was in Chucky, and I, um, but I'm thinking like Bianca Belair, I think would be perfect for certain roles. Um, I think Belair could do it. I think even someone like, um, how uh, Liv Morgan, I think would be good. And Bray Wyatt, most certainly I think could cross over into Hollywood and do acting. I think LA Knight could do something, I think there's a lot of people in WWE who can cross over and if pr- promoted right and if they do do it right, like could get that level of treatment. Now, I don't know if there's anyone on The Rock's level, um, but, <coughs> excuse me, but yeah, so there's, there's that. So it sounds like, and it sounds like the movie's called Thug, it's Liam Neeson's movie. Um, they were filming in Boston, um, the best that I could, um, figure out while looking at this, um, Dustin Rhodes, next story, Dustin Rhodes announced today or yesterday, um, that 2023 will be the last year of him as a pro wrestler. Um, I'm assuming he's going to move into a back behind the scenes, behind the curtain role with AEW. Um, and so, uh, I have nothing bad to say about Dustin. Um, I, I personally think his run with AEW, I don't know necessarily what he's done behind the scenes, but his run, at least on camera, hasn't been necessarily good. I still think his best match was the match against Cody. Um, but Dustin retiring from full-time, you know, competitor, from wrestling next year. I mean, that's the end of someone like gold dust is a legendary character, right? So, um, all the best to him and, um, in his future, nothing bad to say about him. That's just some news that has come out. Um, this story, Ryback and disco inferno slam hater pro pro wrestling fans for being despicable people. This is from Ringside News. Um, So we're going to read this. Um, uh, The wrestling community frequently witnesses heated disputes, sometimes even between wrestlers and fans. Recently, Ryback criticized pseudo-wrestling fans on Twitter for demeaning professional wrestlers. (laughs) Excuse me. And it now seems like Disco Inferno is standing by him. Uh... As a young fan, Ryback asserted that he respected every professional wrestler and that the so-called fans of the profession who spread hate are mentally ill. Um, The tweet stated, uh, I cannot even imagine sending hate to pro wrestlers as fans. Growing up watching, I loved everyone and always understood it was physical acting. Sure, I had my favorites, but I just admired everyone I saw. Unfortunately, wrestling attracts um, some with severe mental limitations. Listen, 
I agree with Ryback. I, I don't understand all the Ryback hate. I've I've never understood the the people who hate on Ryback. Was he the best in the ring? No, absolutely not. But I didn't ha- I didn't I I enjoyed Ryback for for part of his run. I always thought that he was he entertaining. No, but he was is an I think could still be what I like in wrestling. Just like this big physical dude. And and it seems like from what I've seen, you know, with him out of the ring, tweets like this to him on TikTok, that he he cares about the business. Um, and I mean, nothing he said was wrong. I don't, I just can't imagine being hateful and sending hate tweets on Twitter or on Instagram and being serious like, oh, like, and sending hate to them. I just don't understand it, right? Because at the end of the day, right, you can have your favorite wrestler. I don't care who your favorite is. But at the end of the day, it's a show. Like he said, it's physical acting. Um, but at the end of the day, everyone is just putting on and playing a part, right? And as fans, if we recognize, I recognize that, right? But 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 he and then his last sentence he says, unfortunately, wrestling attracts some with severe mental limitations. People people are going to critique him on that, but he's not wrong. Have you seen the 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 hardcore wrestling fans? A lot of them know that it's not real in terms of the results being prescripted, but I still think a lot of them don't understand. And I, I think there's a lot of people, especially in the IWC, in the online Twitterverse, TikTok world of professional wrestling, um, that still assume that, like, it's it's real. They, they try to make it come off like they believe it's real. And, and why would they do this? And why? But at the end of the day, it's a story. It's a show. So why are we sending hate to people? Right, Ryback's not wrong here. A lot of the people in the IWC have some some severe mental issues. Right? Um, Disco Inferno, and we'll continue reading the article. Disco Inferno um, appeared to agree with Ryback's assertions, claiming that they are, they are individuals incapable of appreciating anything since they despise themselves so much. Um, in his tweet, he says they are not fans. They are despicable people who hate themselves so much because they are physically repulsive looking that they are not capable of liking anything. Uh, um, in other news, Ryback claimed on Twitter that he was being treated like a terrorist and vowed to continue fighting the WWE and see that justice was done, um, blah, blah, blah. I just, I don't understand people throwing hate at wrestlers. Why, why do you hate Ryback? He's just a normal person. You don't have to like what he says, but like to physically hate Ryback is insane. To physically hate Disco is insane. To physically hate Vince Russo is insane. To physically like have hatred for someone like a Jim Cornette or a Vince Russo or 
someone, anyone that you, like, people who, like, physically hate Jackson Riker or Gunner, whatever you want to call them. Like, I, I saw a tweet um, on Friday during SmackDown. Someone tweeted, Triple H is going to bring, watch, Triple H is going to start bringing back, like, the forbi- Forgotten Sons and Jackson Riker. And everyone on that tweet was like, don't, 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 don't give them any ideas. Uh, why would you, why would you, uh. Um, sort of like manifest this into into the world. Which first off, the fact that they believe in like manifesting, it's just weird to me. But the the fact that you would hate Jackson Riker as a physical as like a actual person, like when I've met Jackson Riker, I've shooken his hand. He's a nice dude. Like w- when you actually get to meet the dude and sit and talk with him outside of you know his political ideas which I agree with. I agree with a lot of what Jackson Riker agrees with politically. But at the end of the day, when I go to a show and he's there, I'm there to watch him do a show. I'm not there to talk politics with him. I'm there to watch him do a show. Right? So I don't understand the whole, oh, I hate Jackson Riker, like actually hate the guy. And then I'm going to just throw hate tweets at him. That makes no sense. You're mentally ill. Would you do that to to an actor? Would you do that to to anybody in your in a favorite TV show that you have? Right? It's weird to me. It's weird. Um, speaking of Vince Russo, apparently he said on some podcast that um, um, I, I don't know exactly the exact quote, but essentially he said that outside of the wrestle, like people who are actually wrestlers or commentators in the business, there is not a single female podcaster in the wrestling world who podcasts about wrestling um, who hasn't been or is not a wrestler currently or in the business currently that is attractive. Um, I get where he's going. Essentially what he's saying is, you know, the females who like wrestling um, are not necessarily the most attractive people in the world. There are some. And I I understand where he's coming from. However, I do know some in the TikTok world, in the podcasting world, um, that are, in my opinion, attractive. So he's not necessarily right, but I don't necessarily think that he's wrong either um, in, in saying this. And he's getting all this hate. Um, about it from like people in the business and anyway um, the last story that I want to talk about before we talk about the state of the company uh, the state of the, the the industry is um, William Regal and this will sort of transition into it's a story in and of itself but it's also going to transition to the like the state of AEW William Regal has apparently, and Fightful is reporting this, um, I'm not a big fan of Sean Ross Stapp, um, I'm uh, not a big fan of Fightful, but they tend to be correct and they tend to do some level of, of, of fact-checking before they post anything. Um, but it seems to be <clears throat> that William Regal is done with and EC3 said he he's he's basically done. That William Regal is done with AEW, and that he like stepped in and immediately hated the decision to join 
AEW. I'm going to pull up the quote that he said. He stated, um, where is it? Uh, this is EC3 on Sports Kita. Um, he went over to AEW, and the word he said is, I immediately regret this decision. There's very much a maturity issue within management. So this isn't William Regal saying the wrestlers are immature. Because, like, the argument against that would be, Regal, you're the great one of the greatest minds. You should suck it up and help the young kids in the, in the business. But it sounds like William Regal saying the immaturity isn't from the wrestlers, per se. It's from management. It's from Khan. It's from the Young Bucks. It's from Kenny Omega. And he's not the first person to say this. Right? So I want to, to take you on a road trip. Back in time. We're going time traveling. Back to 2019. Um, It wasn't said on... Like, this podcast didn't exist back then. But I did have a podcast. It was called the Unhinged Wrestling Podcast. I got rid of it. Um, because, um, I didn't like the name, I didn't like the brand, and, um, I I wanted to, to, you know, stop talking wrestling for a minute. Eventually, I got back into it with this podcast. But anyway, back in 2019, now I don't remember if it was on the Unhinged Wrestling Podcast, or if it was on one of my friends, James, my brother James, or my friend Cody's, one of their podcasts that they, they used to run back then as well. Um, I don't remember what show it was on, but we were talking about AEW. And I don't exactly remember the show, and I don't exactly remember the context of what we were talking about, but I stated that this was the very beginning of AEW, like right as they were running their first shows. And I told them, I, I used to run like a gimmick where I would be like, I guarantee, right? And I told him, I guarantee within three to four years, you know, and I started naming superstars. They may be out of AEW. And Cody Rhodes was one of them. I told them. I, I just want to let y'all know. I could see in, in 2019, I could have told you Cody Rhodes would not be a lifer at AEW and he would more than likely be out within three to four years. And I was right. I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. Because let me explain to you how I knew this. Because I understood what Cody Rhodes was trying to do. I understood what Cody Rhodes was doing. He got released from the WWE, and I per- and I think he took that personal. I think he thought that he was going to be a lifer there. He, I think he wanted to be a lifer there. Um, and when he got cut, um, and released as from, you know, from the company, um, he went off to the Indies, he did his thing, he rebranded himself, he, he made himself marketable. I believe his entire goal was to do everything it could to get him back to WWE not as a mid-carder, but as the main babyface or heel, as the guy, and to be in <laughs> the title picture. <clears throat> and ultimately get that big money contract. So everything he did 
from the day he got released. I remember the day he got released, like the day he did or the day after he released like a list of wrestlers that were indie at the time that he wanted to wrestle. And it got everyone excited about what was Cody Rhodes going to do, right? And he made a name for himself on the indie scene. And then he held, um, what was it? Was it All In? Um, the sort of one-off show <clears throat> with all, all these ROH and indie superstars at the time. Proving that people could put together competition and people would want to see it and pay for pay-per-views and, and all of this. And I believe he did that to test the waters. Could could we sell the vision of a second show? Because I believe Cody Rhodes understood that if Vince McMahon, if Triple H, if WWE as a whole had competition that was competent and able to actually compete against him, then he would get the offer from WWE that he wanted because it would create a bidding war. I completely believe that was his thought. Completely believe that was his thought. That he was three steps ahead of everybody. And 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 I and I, and and I say this with the idea that there was a I believe there's a scale here and there's like levels to who's being used. And at the very end, at the very bottom of this who's being fucked the most is Tony Khan. Right? Cuz cuz if we go up Above Tony Khan is the elite. Kenny Omega, Matt and Nick Jackson, uh, Adam Page, all of their little PWG buddies who are sort of like, like Excalibur, who would never work for a major televised company ever as a commentator. Because you, Does anyone take Excalibur serious when he's wearing a damn mask as a commentator? I get it's part of the gimmick, but... And he's fucking annoying, let's just be honest. Um, but... Excalibur's only at AEW because he's a PWG bro and friends of the elite, right? And the Japanese stars are only there because they're friends of the elite. Not saying they're bad co competitors, but no other pro real professional American company would have put someone like Riho in the main event as champion. They wouldn't have done it because it wouldn't have sold. And it didn't sell with the American audience, which is why she's not regular on TV anymore. Because it didn't sell. Now, I understand, like, COVID fucked that up. And regulations and visas and passports are, are a thing that need to be figured out. Um, but there's a reason why Asuka's not in the main title picture and Vince McMahon's running. Because she didn't speak the language and it didn't sell... With the 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 casual um, sort of mainstream wrestling fans, right? And so when we talk about the state of WWE, I'm going to talk about something like that. Um, but Regal left, and I, and it seems like the reason the reasoning is the immaturity of the people in charge, which I've talked about forever. It's going to be the downfall of the company. It's And Cody Rhodes, I think, recognized this. <laughs> so Tony, Tony Khan's at the bottom 
being completely fucked for his money. Because the elite wanted to have their little play club where they could create their own stories and have all their friends and they could tell and they could have their own company, right? And so they, but they needed money. And Tony Khan had that. And they found the mark who wanted to, to, who had the biggest pocket and who would do whatever they told them. This is what the fans of wrestling want, right? This is what the hardcore fans want. Do this. And so they found the guy with the money who was willing to listen to them and willing. And, and, and you could say whatever you want, but the little slap on the wrist from the CM Punk incident just shows to me that Tony Khan's not running that company. The elite is. Tony Khan may be CEO and may have some sort of booking control, but the little slap on the wrist just told me he's not the one actually running the company. The elite is. The The Bucks are. Kenny Omega is. Adam Page is running the company. Um, and, and so, but Cody Rhodes attached himself to them, not because I think he liked them, I think he understood that they wanted to to have this competition, and they were the hottest things on the indie mar- on the indie scene at the time, and in New Japan, and he understood that that's who the fans that they were marketing AEW for, and that it would create a a marketing war, to where if he p- went to AEW, and became a star and, and became the guy, and and was like able to to. That that's the best way for him to to get back to WWE, and the second WWE offered him something, he took it. The second the second the contract ended with AEW, he left. Like I said, what happened? So here's we're gonna end the sort of regal, go into the state of AEW. It doesn't look good. If the great one of the greatest wrestling minds of all time, and William Regal gets there. And stays for like three months and creates a storyline with uh, Blackpool Combat Club and ends that, goes with MJF, and that doesn't, like, that lasts like, what, a week? And he leaves? Apparently, Tony Khan was stupid as shit and gave him a clause in his contract that William Regal could leave whenever he wanted that basically William Regal could say, I don't want to be here no more and could terminate the contract and didn't, and doesn't have any like waiting period. Like if he terminated the contract today, he could be on Monday night raw tomorrow, right? That's fucking insane for Tony Khan to do right. And the fans are going to be like, Oh, look at Tony Khan treating his, treating his, his, uh, his talent, uh, right, and not l- forcing them to sit out for three months and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. I need you to understand the reasoning why WWE does that. Because there's a, there's legitimate reasons why WWE forces people, you know, to not compete for 90 days or 30 days, right? Um, uh, NXT is 30 days because a lot of times the released superstars on NXT are the people who maybe do like one-off matches every now and then, and most people don't know them. So they could go and, and go out and run the indies, and people wouldn't really know, right? Um, but the main roster guys, it's 90 days because they have to be able to build you out from TV. They, they have to be able to write you off 
and have enough time in between you showing up on WWE and you showing up on the next show that you go to, right? You can't just have like Samoa Joe get written off on, I'll, I'll use an example, Eric Young at Impact. Um, I'm assuming he's going to go by the Eric Young name <coughs> with AEW, or excuse me, with WWE, because <laughs> that's the rumors he's going to go back. Um, but on Impact, he literally got shanked to death. So he got shanked on Thursday. Let's let's assume he shows up on Monday Night Raw because that's where I'm assuming he's going, and they're going to partner him with Nikki Cross, and they're going to form Sanity again, right? So literally less than a week later from him getting shanked on Impact, he's going to show up with the same name, probably the same look, and people who watch Impact who also watch Raw are going to be like, most of them are going to understand that it's a separate company, but it just, WWE keeps you off of TV so that there's no, first off, they've had issues where like, people would show up on the opposing person, especially if they have to do like tapings and it's not live. It gives them enough time to write you off the show and and not have you show up on another show while they're still kicking you and remo- removing you from their storylines, right? There's a reasoning to the 90-day clause and you're getting paid. You're getting paid for three months to not work. I'd take it. Like, I don't understand the, the 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 complaint. I don't understand the complaint of these WWE, IWC fans. Oh, WWE and these non-compete clauses. They're, he, he, they're not saying you can't really wrestle. I mean, you could still train. Like, if you're, if, if, if you're, if you're a WWE superstar and you get cut and you're just going to sit at home for 90 days, you don't like the business. If you're not going to keep yourself in a ring shape, right? The idea of ring rust for someone who gets released and has to sit for 90 days, they're still training. They're still in the gym. It's not like they stop training with people. A lot of people in WWE are friends with people in AEW, and if that's where they're going, they train with them. They go to the gym with them, right? It's not like these wrestlers, like if... If, let's say, trying to think of someone who could be released. Um, I don't even know. I don't even know who they would release on the main roster. A lot of their releases have been coming from NXT here recently. But let's say, like, they release Angelo Dawkins. Say the idea is to send Montez on a singles run, and they have no reason to have Angelo Dawkins there, right? Dawkins isn't just going to sit at home. I would assume he would train and continue to to, 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 to put in work um, before he, you know, or let's say Roderick Strong. We haven't seen Roderick Strong in God knows how long on NXT. I'm assuming he's going to get released at some point um, because Diamond Mine sort of moved on past him. Um, when he gets cut and he has to sit out, I'm assuming his clause would be 90 days. Um, but I'm assuming he'd talk to the rest of Undisputed Era 
Now, with Adam Cole not probably not going to be able to wrestle again, that's crazy. Um, that's crazy. But anyway, the state of AEW, and, and, and I've said this to people, AEW to me is a asylum being run by maniacs where the people in control are not controlling the situation. You're allowing people, you're allowing egos to go out and say whatever they want and I'm not the first person to, to come up with this sort of like analogy, but it, it almost seems like every promo that happens there is like a rap battle, right? Where I'm going to say something and you're going to respond to it without any sense of direction of where the where it's going. And, then, and we just start saying what we feel like. And that's how you end up with a situation like the Adam Page CM Punk situation where Adam Page went into business for himself. And, and, and said things that should not have been said on live TV unless there was a story behind it. And from what it looks like is there is no story behind it, right? And so Adam Page just went out there and said things to go into business for himself to piss off CM Punk. I've, I'm of the mindset that the Young Bucks recognized CM Punk as a threat to them having their little funhouse of AEW and he wanted to make actual changes to the company and they did not want to accept that so they removed him from the company sort of came coming up with this plan to say things to get under his skin understanding that he he doesn't have a lot of temp, uh, temper control that he's sort of a hothead and if you push the right buttons right you you ever uh, hung out or had that friend or had that person in high school who maybe, you know, you would talk to who they, <laughs> they were sort of a, a jerk or a dickhead, whatever you want to call them. Um, and they would always try to push people's buttons and they're that, uh, the, the, they, they're the, that annoying person that acts annoying on purpose to get the reaction so that they can play the victim. I, to me, that's what it feels like the elite are doing. That the, the, they went into business for themselves. They did all this stuff to push the buttons of CM Punk, understanding at some point he was going to react and he was going to blow up. And then they were going to play the victim as if he went after them. That's exactly what they're doing. And then they can control Tony Khan and and saying we don't deserve very much of a, of a punishment because CM Punk went after us, <clears throat> right? They're, they're, um, right, they're causing, you know, they're, they're the ones sort of poking at CM Punk, and the second he responds back, right, now they're going to cry. That's what it seems like to me with, um, With, with the management of AEW. And the longer that, that tends to happen, I think more people are going to leave when their contracts end. I think Miro's gone. I don't think I think when Miro's contract's gone, Don, he's he's gone. I think Andrade's leaving at the end of his contract. I know people assume that MJF re-signed. I don't think he did. <coughs> I'm personally of the belief that MJF in reality, left AEW when he no-showed for the 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 signing, 
and they, and they weren't sure he was going to make it. I think it was, what, what was it, All Out? And they weren't sure if he was going to show up or not. Um, I think, I think he really left. I think he was really pissed off. And I think AEW panicked. They said, we need you. They, they begged him to come back. And I believe this is just me. I have no sources. I have no facts to prove this. This is just my belief. My belief is that MJF went to Tony Khan and said, here's the deal. I'm not signing an extension, but I'm only coming back if you give me the title and if you give me more money up front so, until the end of my contract. I want more money now, and I'm not going to re-sign, but I'm going to come back and you're going to give me more money now because I'm the best damn thing in your company. And Tony Khan gave in because he understood MJF is probably the best damn thing in this company. Um, that's my, now I could be wrong, but I definitely think in 2024, I think the best thing for MJF would be to stay with AEW personally, but I think WWE is going to put in an offer that MJF is going to accept. I think MJF will, 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 will tone it down to be, and I think Royal Rumble 2024 is going to be a potential uh, a potential debut of MJF. It would not surprise me if we're moving money in the bank to WrestleMania. If he shows up at WrestleMania and in Philly and wins money in the bank. It would not surprise me if Triple H says, hey, we'll, we'll give you the briefcase. We'll give you a title opportunity and this amount of money come to our company. <clears throat> I think by that point, see, uh, excuse me, uh, Roman Reigns will be gone. His title reign would be over. Or CM Punk, not CM Punk, God damn it. MJF is going to be the guy to potentially to dethrone Roman Reigns. I, I could see if Roman Reigns' title reign continues that long, I think MJF could be the guy. I personally do. Um, Yeah. I just, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't look good. Right? The ratings are, they had like 890,000 viewers on Wednesday. It's not good. Right? Your guy, the best thing, the, the the thing that I, that casual fans are enjoying is MJF. And your ratings are continuing to plummet. And I, and I knew this would happen because you lost your money. You lost your ratings when you got rid of CM Punk. And everyone's like, well, it's a, it's a work. It's a, no, it's not. It's not a work. If it was a work, you would, you would... Tony, if it was a work, I believe Tony Khan would 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 say something in interviews about you know oh CM Punk we're, we're, is still going to be here, but all the reports and Tony Khan avoiding the conversation of CM Punk and the continual mocking of CM Punk to me is first it shows immaturity in the in the in the management, 
but it, it, it also tells me that CM Punk's not coming back. There's no way in hell he comes back. Um, and the reports are that CM Punk's just ready to be released. But, but, but the timing right now, like, I think CM Punk gets released after WrestleMania. I think Tony Khan is smart enough to understand he's not going to cut the contract with WrestleMania season around the corner. Because if he does that, let's say he he cuts CM Punk's contract today. It's terminated. CM Punk will show up at some point, probably in the Rumble, and will have a, a WrestleMania match. And Tony Khan does not want that to happen. Tony Khan understands that that would be suicide to AEW if CM Punk showed up at res- at a WrestleMania. He, he, I think he completely understands that. Um, and so I think come April, May of next year, I think that's when CM Punk's contract will be cut. Right after Mania, leading in. And, and then if CM Punk does show up for WWE, it would be at SummerSlam where... <clears throat> where Tony Khan can at least somewhat prepare for it. And and Tony Khan has like these mind games that he plays on people where like especially his fans were like he'll come up like Tony Khan will say something and he'll just continue to say it like oh, oh, oh we're the we're the demo God and he'll just continue to plaster that and have Chris Jericho play it on TV and and and, and then the fans will repeat it and, and he'll do something like this to sort of get the fans against CM Punk again towards the time of SummerSlam and and. And he has time to sort of react. Whereas if he cuts him right now, he doesn't have that time to react. Um, and it would be the probably the bigger, the, the biggest debut of 2023 if CM Punk showed up at WrestleMania or the Royal Rumble. All right. So what's the state of WWE? I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a pro WWE guy. Y'all know that. I love WWE. I love the company. I, I will... Um, always be WWE first until there's a company that can prove to me <clears throat> that they can beat WWE in all aspects in promo work in storytelling and, and, and creating good character. Like WWE is not perfect though. WWE is not perfect, especially now. So here's where my state of WWE is. It's not good. The programming's not good. Triple H. Here's my open letter again to you. I gave this warning. I gave this I gave this warning to the IWC, to the WWE fans. I gave this warning that the second everyone was yearning for Triple H to take over. Triple H take over. Triple H take over. Triple H should be Booker. Triple H should be in control of of this. And I gave this warning that the second Triple H took over, ratings would go down. Because he's going to book main roster WWE like he booked Black and Gold NXT. And it's not going to work on the massive scale that he did. Look, I I love Tegan Knox. She showed up this past Friday, two days ago. She showed up and shocked some people. I jumped out of my seat. I marked out a little bit when Tegan Knox showed up. I love Tegan. But as soon as I saw her, 
And as soon as Michael Cole addressed the, oh, they have history with Dakota Kai, I sat down and my first thought was, why the fuck did they not bring her back for war games? There's literally history in war games between Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox from NXT. You can't tell me that you couldn't get her there. Right? Unless you could prove to me that Tegan Knox was not available the weekend before she showed up in WWE. Why was Tegan Knox not the fifth member? You couldn't debut her a week earlier? And you had a story there? Because the women's War Games match lacked storytelling. There was no reason for Becky to be there. There was no reason for Mia Yim to be there. There was no reason for Rhea to be there. Now, there's story between Asuka and Alexa and Bianca and Damage Control. But the rest of the people in, in the match had no reason of being there. Nikki Cross sort of aligned with Damage Control. But she really didn't have a reason being there either. But you know what it made some sense? Tegan Knox being the fifth member of Team Bianca and unleashing on Dakota Kai during war games. Because there's storyline there. You know what else would have made sense? If Rhea was going to be a part of the match? having her pick up the win, pinning Bianca, and creating story from... But Triple H is going to book this the same way he booked Black and Gold. And there's not going to be much story. And it's going to... Raw's ratings have failed under Triple H. We gave him the initial push. He brought back some people, but he's bringing back too many people. He's literally Tony Khan. He's literally making the same mistakes Tony Khan made in 2021 when all these match releases happened. Tony Khan brought in all of this talent, and now he oversaturated the roster that people aren't on TV for months at a time. And right, and Triple H is doing the same exact thing. He's mass saturating the the roster to where now, like, if people don't know who Tegan Knox was. If people didn't watch NXT, right, now you're depending on commentary to, to sell you on why Tegan Knox was needed. Now you're depending on, right, Triple H is booking for the smarter fans, the fans who watch everything, the fans who watched Black and Gold. He's depending on them to to sort of tell the story and and and... I've always said this. If your story requires me to do research, it's not a good story. If your wrestling story, if your programming involves me having to do research on the internet and not just focusing on what's on TV, it's too complex and it's not a good wrestling story. There's an outlier and that's Bray Wyatt. Um, but Bray Wyatt sort of clues into what he's doing. That was fine while it lasted. But Bray Wyatt now, it's too complex. There's no answers. People just want to know what the hell is going on. We want to see Bray Wyatt wrestle. We want to see something outside of just him fighting his, his inner demons. And there's we're not even sure if that's what he's doing. We're just getting these weird promos week after week after week. 
and L.A. Knight ends up under a pile of trash, and then nothing else comes out of it for two or three weeks. We want answers. At least I do. You're overcomplicating the storytelling. Right? So WWE, while there are very good things in WWE, I think Triple H is making the same mistake Tony Khan made in 2021. Oversaturating the roster with very good talent and not doing enough. Right? With all the talent that's on Raw, why do we have five 30-minute matches? I get you need thir- you need three hours of programming. But you've literally brought back um, probably half of the people Vince got rid of. Why don't we have more storytelling? Why don't we have shorter segments, but more of them? More entertainment. Like, like you know what the best thing in WWE is, right? And I think the best thing in wrestling is the bloodline. Whether they're on Raw or whether they're on SmackDown, they're the only things that, to me, are enjoyable to watch. Because it... The story is much bigger now than Roman and and his championship reign. The story now is Sami Zayn. They evolved the bloodline, right? With with Sami Zayn now, the the story is right, leading you to there's someone's turning on somebody, and everything leading up to it. Right, and so Sammy's got like Roman on his side, and he's got Jay on his side, and now, or excuse me, he's got Roman, and he had Jimmy, and now he has Jay, and Solo's still like the only one that's not a part of like the the, the little high five, and I think eventually he's going to break, and they're gonna have the handshake with him as well, and then at some point either Sammy's gonna turn, or the Usos themselves, because because if you watched the last this last Friday's episode. Jimmy and Jay, as soon as Sammy left, Jimmy was like, yo, you, did you talk to him about lying to your face? And he was, and, and he said, you know, basically he said, big oos told us not to worry about it and move on. And then they continued on with their business, right? <clears throat> Before getting attacked by Seamus. And that's the other thing. Why are Seamus and Drew McIntyre a tag team? Because they, they beat randomly the Usos in a, in a, in a, in a, two-on-two match so because they win now they get an opportunity at the tag team it makes no sense there's no story to it and that's what drives me from watching I'll be honest with you I don't like AEW's booking so I don't I tend to not watch it I have it recorded and I skip to what I want to watch and I watch what I want to watch and then I skip past the rest of the shit and I do that with WWE I record everything I don't watch any most of the shows live right and if I don't even feel like watching, like if, if I read spoilers or I see things on Twitter, I don't avoid spoilers. If I see them, if I see someone tweet something, I just don't watch the show then. If it's something that I care about, right? I'm not the type of person that like knows the results and still sort of watches it and, right? Unless it's like a segment that I really want to see. Uh, because the spoiler or the, the tweet or whatever lacks context or something, right? Um, but if WWE continues on the path, if Triple H continues with this path, he's going to lose a lot of the sort of mainstream casual fans. He's going to lose them. A lot of us are confused. Luckily for me, I have watched NXT before, so I know who Gargano is. I know who Tommaso Ciampa is. I know who Candice LeRae is. I know about Shotzi. I know about Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai and Io Sky. I know about all of them. 
but there's casual fans who don't know about them, right? And then they bring, right? And then they they're bringing back Viking Raiders, and the I'm assuming they're trying to get them as close as possible to their indie gimmick of War Machine. But if you didn't watch War Machine on the indies, you're not going to understand the gimmick. And I'm assuming Sanity's coming back if Eric Young shows up. But Sanity on the main roster was ass. And you, you only have Nikki Cross and Eric Young there. I, st- I think Alexander Wolf is gone. Um, and the other guy um, is on Impact, I'm pretty sure. He's running the indie scene. He, he was with Ohio... Uh, he was with Ohio versus everyone on Impact last I checked. I don't even remember his WWE name. Um, right? But if you bring back Sanity, unless you watched wrestling prior to like prior to Sanity getting released, or you watched NXT, especially for when they were the best, you won't understand the gimmick. You won't understand who they are. And that's the thing. Triple H is, is requiring these casual fans to do a bunch of questioning and and research and trying to figure out who these people are rather than just telling stories with the stars that are already over. Rollins, Roman, the Street Profits. I I think Hit Row shouldn't be this group who just gets beat up every week. Hit Row should be a legitimate thing. I think, I think, first off, uh, Top Dollar is a uh, fucking a beast, like, and he's athletic as shit. Like, he's an NFL player. He may not be the the most fit, but the dude's athletic, right? And and I mean, I love Top. Uh, I love Hit Row. They're probably one of my favorite things in WWE, and it annoys me because all three of them can actually rap a little, like. B-Fab can rap. AJ Francis, top dollar, can definitely rap. And Asante the uh, Adonis, from what I've heard, he he has some bars too. Like, give them that gimmick to where, like, they're doing, like, rap battles with the Usos or rap battles with, with New Day or with Street Profits or or where they're... And, and, and make them legitimate because they're good. I mean, B-Fab could use some work in the ring, but when she does, she hasn't had a lot of matches. She hasn't had a lot of experience in the industry. And so for where she's at, I think, I mean, she got attacked, but from behind and I think she sold the hell out of it. There's a lot of good things on that roster where if you would just put these, these things that are already proven themselves to work, Rollins, Roman, um, the Uso new day, Instead of bringing back the NXT glory days and things that people don't know about. Now, I'm not saying Gargano shouldn't be used. What he's at, he's doing fantastic at. But AEW and WWE, to me, feel the same. And at some point, I'm going to stop watching both of them. I have that feeling that I'm going to stop watching and just more so um, being like a, a... a spectator from like Twitter where I watch the, the, I see the tweets and that's all that I get. Cause it seems like I'm watching AEW four times a week now. SmackDown's okay, but like Raw's basically AEW to me. 
So, and the ratings prove it. The ratings for Dynamite's going down. Raw's going down. Um, so, yeah, that's where I, that's, that's my thoughts, man. Let me know what you think. Um, you can find me on TikTok at, and Twitter at We2Deep413. That's W-E-T-O-O-D-E-E-P-413. Thank you again for listening to another episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Randall Beatley, and I'll see you on the next episode, which is probably going to be, it's either going to be the NXT deadline uh, preview show, which I'll probably do either Wednesday or Thursday, um, leading up till Saturday night, or it's that's going to happen one of those days. If before that show... I do my end-of-the-year awards. I'm working with my friend Cody and my brother James. It looks like they both want to do it with me. We're working on a date by the end of this year to do our the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast first edition 2022 Best of Award Show. Um, it's going to be pretty damn fun to do that. Um, and um, when that happens... Um, I think it's probably going to be a great way to end the year. Um, I'll do that episode, and it's probably going to be the last episode of 2022 that I do. Um, with not a lot of stuff to talk about till Royal Rumble, in terms of like pay per views and 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 sh- like I'm not I'm not the guy who's going to be here and be like, oh, I'm going to review every Raw, SmackDown, Dynamite, and in NXT. I'm not going to do that. So. In- <coughs> So we probably won't get a lot of content after the end of um, 2022 show until near the Royal Rumble. Um, And then we'll get started with 2022 that way. Um, But with that said, again, thank you for listening to this episode. I'll see you on the next one. Um, And if you could like, share, subscribe. Again, go find me on TikTok and uh, give me a follow there. Uh, I'd love to interact with you guys. Um, but yeah, I'll, if anything else, I'll see you in the next episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast.